you're listening to The Private Citizen. This is episode 106 for Wednesday, the 19th of January, 2022. Concluding the coronavirus coverage, part two. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Fab. I'm coming to you live from Düsseldorf in Germany. Um, I think my mic is, uh, has too much gain. And I'll be I'll, I'll I'll be trying to fix that. That should be okay. Turning this knob. Hey, how are you doing? Uh, welcome to the show. Nice to have you. Um, the today's show topic might uh, you might I mean it's labeled part two, but you might maybe if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you might remember part one, which was uh, I don't know a year and a half ago where I tried to uh, stop talking about the pandemic. Um, for other reasons than uh, I'm trying to today, um, but um, yeah, that completely failed. Um, I'm trying again today, so um, what I will try to do, uh, I will try to explain to you um, why I think more coverage doesn't really help anybody right now. Um, and also, of course, I'm also going to um, recap a little bit like what happened you know why why i talked about so much on, on the show and on all of that and now i'm gonna move on well i'm gonna try to and then we'll we'll have some um some more interesting talk i mean not that it's not interesting but you know i'll, I'll get to that we'll get we'll have hopefully have some other topics here in the future um while I'm talking about the future, um, I'll have to mention once again that there won't be any episodes of the show in February, as I'm taking February off completely, um, because I'm trying to I'm trying to finish my novel, um, and I really have to, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying, all right. Um, <laughs> so, so I also want to do a podcast. So I realize there's only one more show scheduled next week before i do that um i'll try to do maybe an extra show beforehand but i can't promise anything because next week's already completely full there's so much other stuff i have to do it's kind of like holiday when you take you know when you say you're gonna take a month off or something then you have to like finish all this other crap and i kind of thought this this only happened to you when you worked in an office but it's uh, you know when you work for yourself it's kind of for a company i mean of course like you know i still work in office i mean if you can call this man cave an office uh if i look up I got the Rosinante flying over me, so I don't know how much of an office that is. But, you know, anyway, uh, now I work for myself. It's still the same thing. Um, still have to finish all this stuff up. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll try. I'll try to get two more episodes out, um, but at least one. And then I'll take February off and, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make, make up the lost shows for you as always. Because, you know, when I started the show, I promised an episode a week. Not specifically every week, but, you know, on average. Um, and so I've, I've I've kept that promise, and I will try to um, will endeavor to keep keeping it. I I, I don't know. Um, right. And with that, let's get let's get uh, to the uh, topic of the day here. So obviously, I started this podcast. Uh, Oh, God. I can't remember this offhand. Well, if you go to privatecitizen.press, there are, as I always say, there are ample show notes for all the shows. There's a listing for all the episodes. I mean, I mean, there will be show notes for this episode 
And uh, yeah, episode one was on the 5th of February. So February 2020, uh, I started this show. Um, and then, you know, aiming mostly to, you know, it, I was aiming for this to be a privacy show, right? But also combined with a little bit of politics because, uh, or privacy. I'm trying to talk Queen's English here. Um, I don't like these, um, I mean, I've done this in the past, right? Um, I don't like these podcasts that are too much centered on one topic. I didn't want to do a pure, pure privacy show because, you know, um, I've made the experience in the past that, you know, I've, I I was on a show called, uh, did a show with a course called Linux Outlaws. And it was specifically very much about Linux and open source. Um, we also talked about other stuff and, but we try to keep keep it on that topic mostly. Um, and if you do something like this, if you do a, a show that's centered on a topic like this, really good for kind of, for lack of a better word, PR, right? It's really easy to get people in there to, you know, to come listen to your show and they immediately understand what your show is about and they kind of can identify with it. It's kind of, um, you know, it's a little bit kind of like tribalism. It's like podcast tribalism, whatever. It's like people know what their hobby is and then you do a show about that and then you, you're, you're, um, you, you basically put yourself into that niche. Um, that is good to get listeners, but I feel it's somewhat detrimental to the show. Um, and we noticed this on LO, or at least I did when it moved on, uh, you know, when we were doing it for a long time, because you'd have people that were like, ah, oh, but you're a Linux guy. How can you have a PlayStation or whatever? Right. They, um, there's all these stereotypes attached to it. And I also feel like you kind of, we, we, we never fell into this with Linux Outlaws, but I've noticed this on a lot of other shows, especially privacy shows, uh, pe people like pigeonhole themselves. They pigeonhole their thinking, right? If you, they do a privacy show and then they're like, they'd only think about that. In German, it's even worse because in Germany, like a German podcast, because we don't have the, the word privacy, we, we call it Datenschutz, which is a dumb term, really. Because it's data protection. And it's the, it's the wrong term because pri privacy, privacy implies that um, you know what it's about. It's about, you know, keeping your, your private stuff private. It's about you, right? And when it comes to digital stuff, your data. Data protection sounds like you're protecting the data. It sounds like it's about the data. And you know how like language forms understanding of the world sometimes? That's how a lot of Germans that are very into this think as well. Um, but anyway, so people pigeonhole themselves. And I noticed this on a lot of podcasts, especially German Datenschutz, you know, data privacy podcasts. Um, when they see everything just from this privacy kind of standpoint, right? Um, and that is, um, that can be a problem. That leaves out the, like that, you lose kind of side of the big picture. So I always wanted the show to also also be like, um, for example, politics focused, because if you're thinking about privacy, you are basically thinking about civil rights as well like freedoms you know um privacy is like kind of a, a freedom for you right you have you have the right to keep something you know you have the, the the right to have something to hide as i as i like to call it um and that is um it's well and good to fight for that but it's like if you only focus on that and you just 
ignore your other civil rights that that get impinged on maybe for example um then you like it can be very counterproductive um and i kind of felt like this and this is why like this show was 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 born out of an impetus um when we stopped doing linux outlaws i felt at the end i felt more and more that like software freedom while it is very important is actually like not as important as other things and i talked about this uh, on Ockcamp at at Ockcamp 19 when um um when uh, you know events were still happening uh, i was on stage with with dan and we talked a little bit about this outlaws and you know um what we've done since then and, and and that that's when i you know at that time i started developing the idea for this show um and back then um I call it the Datensparsamkeit Outlaws, which Datensparsamkeit is kind of a German neologism that means, you know, we talked about this on the show before as well, um, being frugal with your data, you know, think about what you upload kind of thing. And I basically said, I feel like the next, like basically if you think about your freedom as a human being, as a person in a state, um, then the next battleground for me, and this is, we're talking end of 2019, was privacy. And I felt like that software freedom, while important, really, um, for me, took a backseat to that. Because, you know, I've been writing about all these issues as well as a journalist. And, and, and you notice thing, people, for example, um, you know, when, when Android came out, uh, people were very happy that it was Linux-based. And, you know, while there are issues with software freedom, do you have a lot of free software on there and whatever? But they're, like people who only care about software freedom for a large part were completely blindsided to the fact that Google with Android basically established this surveillance capitalism model. And like they could have given you all your software, completely free software. They still like kind of own all your data. And that is where their money comes from, right? And and, uh, to me, these days, that is actually the bigger issue. Anyway, so I was I was thinking about the show. I was, you know, we were starting with this and then the pandemic hit. And of course, I mean, it was kind of fortuitous that I just started a privacy podcast because this SARS-CoV-2 pandemic has been the absolute in German we like to say super gau. <laughs> a gau is a um GAU, the größte anzunehmender Unfall. It's a term from um nuclear power plants. Um Chernobyl was a gau. Uh, the the largest imaginable uh, catastrophe, basically. And then, because that isn't bad enough, you can have a super GAU, which is the super largest, uh, uh, you know, imaginable cat- catastrophe. And uh, it's it's kind of beyond what you would imagine, basically. And 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 this is what happened. I mean, um, that's what happened. I feel uh, to our freedoms, um, to our civil rights, as as you know. Um, I think almost, and amazingly, that's something I would have never imagined, um, almost all over the world, no matter where you are, if you live in a modern democracy, you, you might be listening to this in the UK, uh, in the US, in Germany, um, in the Netherlands, um, maybe even in India or in Australia. I mean, this this happened all over the planet, Russia, everywhere. Um if you know, I mean, if you are not living in a uh, 
democratic republic, let's say, um, or uh, you know, constitutional monarchy or something like that. And 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 let's say you are listening to this from China, then of course, okay, um, all bets are off, right? I mean, your life changed probably as much as our life over here changed, but you know, you didn't really. I mean, you live. You you were before you were already living in a totalitarian state. There was no, you know, there there was really not the um, assumption of these 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 rights um, from the beginning. Um, that you know that doesn't excuse it, but it's like, um, and and of course there was there was uh, way way worse uh, restrictions of civil liberties during the pandemic, let's say in China. Uh, but you know there it's more somewhat more expected there I would think but anyway over here um I would have never expected this to happen like that and on this scale and especially not um you know sometimes you're i mean I think humans are often naive like and I certainly was naive in this because if somebody should have expected this kind of thing, then somebody like me, um, you know, I don't have a deg university degree, but I spent years and years uh, in university studying politics and history, and especially modern history, um, the Third Reich, you know, uh, the, the era before World War One and World War Two, you know, the, the, the interwar era, all that this kind of stuff, where basically that is the best preparation. Uh, for you know understanding how uh, I, I feel like in hindsight it, it 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 should have been a good preparation to understanding what 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 happened here um uh, i think people think it's populism to compare um what has happened to us over the last two years to what has happened in the interwar period in germany for example and it's of course very different, but I don't think like I I think it's a it's an um, sometimes people it's like people you know you compare something, and and I mean that's this is how a lot of I feel a lot of historic science works. You 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 need to compare things that have happened before. Like if you wanna if you wanna use historic science to understand something that's happening today, right? If you want to divorce it from a purely academical subject that you know you're just doing because I don't know you got nothing better to do and you want to use it to understand your life, then you have to apply it to today. And with that, it always brings a comparison. And there's a very famous case in German historical uh, science, uh, which we have talked about on the show before. Yevgeny um, actually from Russia chimed in on this. So in 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 um, in Germany, there was a the favorite famous thing. Uh, was this a uh, 70s, 80s, 80s, I think, um, or might have even been start, started in the 60s? But it was called the Historica Streit, the uh, Battle of the Historians, <laughs> um, where there were basically in, in historical science and people looking at Nazi Germany on and the, the World War II, there were two camps, and and one camp said that what the Nazis did in World War II was absolutely incomparable to anything and the other camp said well you know some kind of a analogous thing happened in russia right it's a very different regime and very different circumstances and and you know 
let's let's say it like this it was a very different genocide but both cases were genocides um and 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 cases of mass murder by the state right industrialized mass murder as you would say um and 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 that second group said you can compare those and and the fight with you know the other group said you can you can't compare things like this and i've always been uh following the historians who are firmly in the uh in the campus that you can compare these things because i think if you can't compare things then you as i said you can't apply um history to your life anyway i think when you do something like this there's always people saying you know you're comparing apples to oranges and people are saying like this these two things are so far apart that you can't compare them but i think you can often you can compare very different things because sometimes they have similar aspects they might be completely different in other respects so if you compare the pandemic to what happened in the interwar period in germany uh, to the weimar republic there are huge differences right the it was a very different political system uh, it fell apart it failed and uh, a, a totalitarian regime took over which is not happening right now right so complete different we live in a democracy now it's a very different democracy it's one that is specifically modeled so that what happened back then can't happen again um, which is working to a large extent, I would say. But there are similarities, some similarities. And I think a very important one that I've talked about this on the show before, but, you know, you got to give me some leeway here today. I'm, to, I'm trying to recap, right? I'm, I'm trying to finish the subject, probably not forever, but for a good while. So um, that's why I'm recapping this. Um, and I feel the common denominator is... Um, and I don't actually have a term for this, which is weird. There must be a term in historic science. Maybe I was just asleep when we were talking about this. But it, um, to me, the common denominator is uh, fear-driven decisions in society. And the ability of politicians to consciously or subconsciously, um, I'm not quite sure, might, might actually be different. I'm pretty sure with the Nazis, it was very much consciously. I think... In the pandemic, not so much. Um, it's a very different dynamic all around, but a it has it like it it's 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 very different. But it, I feel in my heart that it has this this under undercurrent that is similar, and I I think it's the key to understanding um, not only the situation we're in now and the situation back then, but generally human nature and maybe society a little bit better. Because I feel, and I've, I think I talked about this before, I wrote blog posts about this before, possibly only in German. Um, you know, I've, I've uh, blog on fab.industries, which is my personal website. I've got a German and an English blog, and sometimes I write different content uh, for the different markets, so to speak. But um, I think I've talked about this in my German column several times. Um, I've never understood what happened in the Weimar Republic completely. I understood it from an academic perspective as somebody who studied it you know who's read a lot about this had discussions at university um but um you you come to a point where you know you you study history and your your professor says um so the goal about studying history is you have to you can't assume that with everything you know and your um your proclivities and your understanding of how life works you can't just transplant that and say a hundred years before 
um, what would have felt like to live there because it was completely different circumstances. You know, life was very different and you can't just transplant that. So if you want to understand the people that lived, lived back then, you have to put yourself in, the, in their shoes. But every good history professor will say this immediately, this is often not possible, like not completely possible. You can only do like a best effort. And I always done this and I've never understood and I've talked to um, people who were there my grandmother, who is over 100 now, well, she's 100 now, um, uh, you know, she turned 100 last year, um, and um, I've tried to talk to her about it, and I've, you know, talked to other people about this, and of course, in university, uh, we, we, we looked at uh, interviews with um, people that were there at the time, and, and I've kind of on a, um, on an, um, Yeah, on a very literary, like, you know, on an academic level, I've un I've understood what was going on back there, but I could not understand the people. Um, you read what happened back then, and you're like, why didn't everybody immediately see what was going on? Like, why didn't they see that these guys were up to no good? Like, you know, I mean, you, you study um, the interwar period in Germany, and, you know, Hitler... Tries to have a putsch and 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 get sent to jail on a very lenient sentence, and then he uses his jail time to write his book, where he lays out, you know, his hate of of Jews, and um, in relatively clear terms, hints at what we what he would do if he was in power, and he is very clear that he thinks like certain people are not humans, and that you can basically deal with them, you know can basically shoot them like cattle who cares um and he lays all of this out and you read this and you're like but then he comes out of jail and he starts in trouble again people start following him and you're like why didn't the normal people why didn't like the journalists why didn't they understand and then you know there were people who understood um some of them left the country um they saw what was coming um other people tried to fight it and and lost their lives but um generally the public didn't and the public was swept up with this because you know the nazis came to power by popular vote they used a democratic system that was not set up to encounter a force like this and they used that system and got into power and then of course they changed all the rules um all bets are off but you know people didn't see it coming and you think like why didn't they see it coming and what has happened to us in our societies in the last two years I've, it has shown me I think I think I understand a lot better now what happened back then and I think that the key factor is this fear um, if people are afraid of something um, you can get them to do certain things where they, they, they basically they stop looking ahead they stop looking clearly they stop analyzing clearly the actual dangers and you know I think today obviously uh, i think it's uh, <laughs> this this virus pandemic i think people are not clearly analyzing risk to them and to society uh, and and back then it was the fear of others right the fear of um uh i mean it was a you know there there was fascism in italy and 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 this 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 mirrored itself all over the um, all over Europe, but it was very special in Germany, um, where um, you, you have to understand that Germany uh, took a very long time to become a nation state, the last nation state in Europe, 
by a long margin and didn't have a culture for, for a long time. Like, uh, you know, what people called German culture really did not exist before least even like the late 1700s. You would ask, you know, you know, the late, maybe even, yeah, maybe a bit earlier, maybe late 17th century or something. Like before that, um, Germany was all these different kingdoms with all different cultures and stuff. And and so German Germans felt like when Bismarck gave them a nation state, they felt like finally we're there, you know, we earned this, we're we're a strong nation, uh, we're proud of our nation, like other nations as well. I mean it was the era of the nation state and finally Germany is there as well. Um and they um they lost that in World War One, right? They it's kind of like um, the king gambled this all away and they lost this and this was kind of a fear um, and a, an inadequacy of, of of the German national spirit I would say that, that Hitler and the Nazis took advantage of um, but also a lot of fear right a lot of fear um, I mean the parallel in other countries um, you know in Italy and in Spain is um, largely economic right there was an, a huge eco economic collapse at the time um, and uh, you know, people out of jobs, and this this industrial revolution had kind of fallen apart, um, and there was a lot of fear of the future, and I think they capitalized on that. And I feel like today there is it's a it's a again a different situation. There's nobody capitalizing on it. I would say, you know, there's not it's not a huge conspiracy or anything, you know, not the, the silly stuff every, everybody talks about. Bill Gates and the fucking uh, microchips, I don't even... No, I, I don't even get it. I don't think there is a... Um, there's a conspiracy, but there are the same forces at work, I feel. Um, largely um, a, you know, a fear that people have. Um, the inability of the press to deal with this fear. And I think that's a huge factor today. That probably wasn't such a big factor back then because the press, uh, you know, for a while largely capitalized on also on what the Nazis were saying. So they didn't capitalize on the fear. They capitalized on the opposite pretty much. Um, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think the 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 fear the fear is 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 the big factor, and that what what that did, um, what what I didn't see. Um, I mean, I I should have seen this kind of coming, really, because if you study politics. Uh, and, and, and history, you, you know that fear is like basically the biggest motivator. Um, you know, if, if there's a war brewing, uh, the only pe the, the only like there's there's only two ways you can get young men to sign up to kill themselves in the army. Right. One is national pride, but that only goes that far. And the other one, the other one is fear. Right. And they, I mean, the army uses that every time when I went um you know, we talked recently on the show about the German um, conscription, right? The, the the mandatory military service. And when I had my um, what is what is it called? Is it? I think you'd call it the draft, right? When you go there and they assess you, um, 
you know, obviously you can you can kind of decline, and when by the time I did it, it was like really easy. You just had to decline, then you have to take you do like a year of uh, civil service, mandatory civil service, like you know, work in a hospital or whatever. Back in the day when my dad did it, you actually had to write and you had to like they wouldn't accept it often, and it was a huge hassle. Um, but um, to to get you to sign up to the military thing, they would go like, yeah, but what if the Russians attack and then, you know, they rape like your girlfriend or whatever. Like let, that's literally what they said to me. Like that's literally, you know, this is the same arguments from like 14, from the 1400s up till to current day. So, you know, you understand that like this kind of fear driven thing is understandable. Um and also the mass movement that creates, right? That 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 that's also a big parallel to to the interwar um, uh, era. I mean, here um, I talked about this on the show. It was too surprising to me, but in hindsight, it's kind of the same thing. Um, you had people who were afraid of this virus because they hadn't, I think, l- largely. Uh, ever looked into respiratory viruses in general um, and they didn't understand well because you know it doesn't really get taught that well in school right people don't understand how viruses work um, they get a cold and they don't understand the difference between the common cold and influenza uh, they don't understand the difference between a viral infection and a bacterial infection Right. Uh, many, many, many people had to learn, like many intelligent people that just before that didn't care about this, um, didn't know that you before the pandemic that you can't use um, um, antibiotics on viruses. <laughs> um, so, you know, people generally, this is a far off topic that didn't interest them. Suddenly this got in like this got important to their lives and they, they were scared. And you had kind of this mass movement that that is still going on of people um, l- latching on to things where scientists filtered through politicians tell them, okay, this this will make it better, right? Um, I mean, it wasn't. If you look at it, it starts with the mask mandates. Um, you know, the the government says you'll have to wear a mask now, and everybody was was right there. And there were actually people shouting down the people that's, that, that were complaining, that were saying this doesn't make any sense or, or I don't want to do this. Um, so you had a very proactive, I mean, I'm talking from a German perspective here, but I've seen the same. I mean, we have the internet now. I've seen this um, play out in my with my UK Twitter bubble, right, with people in the US. You had this everywhere. Um and first it was the mask. Now now it's the vaccines, right? We talked about this on the show. Um, I'm by far a vaccine, uh, an anti-vaxxer. Uh, I'm, I wouldn't even call myself a vaccine critic, right? Um, but I, I think that I understand what a vaccine does a lot better than most people that are talking about this, including a lot of my colleagues in the press. Because a lot of people seem to think that vaccines do certain things that they were never designed to do. And they even pretend that they were designed for it, right? People people will say that vaccines were designed to inhibit uh, the spread of like a disease that is as contagious as the one we are fighting here. Um, 
I don't know where they got that idea from. I, I, I really don't. I mean, these days, all bets are off. It's probably now in the Wikipedia article for vaccines because somebody put it in and everybody just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but if you look at sources like pre-2020, let's say, um, you know, I mean, there are there were sources, I grant you that, that you know, especially the WHO um, said, I mean, they even claimed they've eradicated certain diseases with vaccines, which they haven't. Um, I think measles, wasn't with the measles the first one? They, in the 80s, they said it had disappeared and then yeah, it, it propped up again. I think the, the, the smallpox was another one. Um, people, I don't think this was the WHO, but people claimed this for, for the for the plague, you know, Yersinia pestis, which is total bullshit because that crap, that, you know, if you look through medical history, that keeps propping up uh, again and again. Um, so I think, you know, okay, people are always misinformed that it's like, that is also not a surprise, but like this, this, what surprised me was this mass movement for people who the people basically cheered the state taking away their civil rights because they were or they, or they are still because they are afraid of getting infected with the virus um, and they think that this taking away of civil rights is going to help um, I think this effect is probably the strongest in Germany because Germans are just I don't know if it's genetic. It's probably not genetic. It's probably cultural. They're like they're culturally dis predisposed, especially, um, you know, I've, I've talked about these different kingdoms in Germany, right? But like a Prussia was very influential because Bismarck was from Prussia and Bismarck used the Prussian model when he founded the German Empire. We're talking the second German Empire, technically. I always think it's the first because I, you know, the Holy Roman Empire of the German nation. I don't really feel that was a, like a German empire, but I think technically that this the second, you know, the second Reich when Bismarck founded that he founded that after the Prussian model, and and the Prussian model got drilled into people's minds, and you know, there's a lot of discipline and and doing the right thing and and following laws and that kind of thing. That's a very Prussian attitude that got that became to some extent a German attitude, right? So I'm, I'm from West Germany. I, uh, I can't stand Bavarians. You know, that, that's the cultural differences, right? So Southern Germany, Bavarians, we can't fucking stand them. Uh, we think they're uh, idiots. Uh, <laughs> all of them, no. But, uh, you know, there's this rivalry, right? And, and it, I really can't stand the culture. But as even if somebody who is a, 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 a very much Prussian, like, um, you know, um, my father's family is from from Duisburg, which is the the Rhine the Rhineland the Ruhr area, which became Prussian, um, eighteen hundred something, and uh, my my mother's family is from uh, Pomerania, which is even more that is like actually Prussia, um, pretty much. Um, so I'm very Prussian, uh, and uh, also in my uh, demeanor sometimes I think always uh, trying to be on time and stuff like that. Even <laughs> okay. Live streams of this podcast, I've currently live streaming this on Twitch, of course, I know an exception that never works. So I'm not, I'm not that Prussian. But uh, I always, um, even though I'm like kind of very much in that cultural thing, I always like the one thing I always liked about Bavarians, even though they have a horrible accent and they're, I don't know, I can't stand a lot of, of what they do, but they're very rebellious. They have a very rebellious uh, streak, um, which I always liked. 
um, which is very un-Prussian and, and so often considered un-German, I think. <laughs> um, because, you know, Prussia is so much a stereotype. Like, not if you're outside of Germany, you think like Bavaria. Everybody who's never like been to Germany, they think like Lederhosen and Oktoberfest and beer all the time. Um, whereas for Germans, the, the Prussian idea is very much a stereotype. They're following the rules, right? Germans love following rules, which in this pandemic very much um, made us... Um, into the forefront of this kind of thing, I feel. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I completely did not see this this coming. This was this was completely surprising to me. A shock. I I don't know. I should have probably um, seen that. But all right. Um, and you know, I then I talked about a lot of this. Of course, all this happened. You know. And we talked about this on the show. I don't have to go into this. If you go to the show notes, private citizen press, there are tags at the top. If you click on the coronavirus tab, tag in this episode, you get a list of all the episodes I talked about. Some kind of coronavirus stuff, right? And it starts with the first measures. And talk, later on, I talk about the contact tracing app and how I think that's bullshit. Um, and then we get into the the, the, the privacy um, um like the infringement into our privacy rights um, that we had to endure um, because of this, um, you know, because, yeah, I mean, in this pandemic, things happened that I thought would never be possible in Germany because Germany is a very privacy-centric uh, country, um, which is also uh, due to the, uh, af you know, this basically aftermath of, of, aftermath of the Nazi rule, um, where the state intruded into every aspect of a person's life. And we made very, very, very bad um, experiences with that. So, you know, I can remember, I mean, this is like, we're doing Linux Outlaws and I was talking to Dan about this. So this is like, I don't know, 2008 or whatever. Um, when Google Maps and Street View first, um, like, I mean, probably been around long, longer like in, in the US and in the UK but when it started taking off in Germany there, there was a huge outcry uh, privacy wise which I don't understand I never understood I today to this day I don't understand where people um, were fighting tooth and nail about like these Google taking pictures of their houses um, which in, in, in retrospect is, is just completely like as backwards and if you look at it from today's standpoint you're like like where are people's priorities the thing is German law has always been pretty much I mean there are exceptions to this but generally if you're on public ground everything you can see from if I'm on the road and there's a house I can take a photo of that house anything I can see from like from 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 the public road i can take a foot off if people don't want me to look into their yards they have they can put a wall up right if they don't want me to look into their windows they can put blinds on um so that was always that was always the law and the understanding and then google just sends a car down the road doing that you know automatically and and assembles it into an internet basically a database where everybody can see every house and people are like oh my god i don't like this anymore and suddenly you had to you know, like houses were blurred and, and all this kind of stuff 
But, you know, I never really understood that, but I, I, I shook that off as, okay, Germans are very privacy uh, aware people. And that's just how it goes, right? That's just our culture. And I might not agree with everything, but, you know, that's, that's the way it is. And, and <laughs> you know, pandemic rolls around. The, the government goes, hey, okay, you, so you know that law where we can never come into your house? Like where the police can't come into your house unless you let them in or they have a warrant. Well, that's off the table because we need to check if, you know, you're having illegal parties because virus. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> like 10 years ago, you were up in arms because a private company took a photo of your house and put it on the internet. And now you're letting the government in? Like, what the hell? And not even the police. We're just talking the, the Ordnungsamt, which is like basically the, um, I don't know, do people, I, I think I was asking this on a previous show, does this exist outside? I think they're like the code enforcement probably in the US. You know, they're like these clowns who do a little bit dressed up like the police. Uh, but they're not allowed to do anything like any if anything happens so if um like they can't like they can't even arrest you basically they have to call the police i mean they can do a citizen's arrest like everybody right if you steal somebody's bag and then run away they can just detain you and call the police but they have to call the police for everything um so they're they don't have more rights than me it's always hilarious because now nowadays because they you know because of the pandemic they got so many more people you know the Ordnungsamt the order office uh, as we call it in Germany they're now wearing like um, I think they're wearing bulletproof vests I think they're knife proof vests but they look like they're fucking on patrol in Kandahar right they don't wear fatigues it's all like black and blue but it's like they look like the police they have like police uh, emblems and everything and you know they always have handcuffs which they're not allowed to use that's like me walking around with handcuffs. I mean, I can walk around with handcuffs and I can do a citizen arrest if somebody runs away. But if I just go and handcuff a random guy on the street, like they're going to sue my ass. You know, the, the police going to come and I'm going to go to, I'm going to get fucking um, indicted for like arresting, you know, for, for taking somebody's liberty away. So it's, it's, it's hilarious. Anyway, um, I, I like, I never understood that. I never understood how that, happened like how how were that twisted and that is i mean the only thing i can i can understand is fear it's people are so afraid that they said okay i would just want anything to um to 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 be safe and at first, I thought it was just anything to make my life normal again, to make it go away. But we're now at a point where I think everybody realizes that, and, and this is like, I'm talking a year ago, like middle of last year, or let's say last, like after the summer, when it all started kicking off again, everybody, and even the last person must have understood that this is not going away from masks and vaccines and how many, whatever rights they're going to take away from us, that's not going to help with the pandemic going away. Like it's not helping with the virus situation. Um, so, but people still endorse that. So I, I thought at first, I think in like 2020 for a long time, if I look back, I think I thought, okay, people are like, I don't care about this. Let's just 
let it go away. If I have to wear a mask and if the police comes into my house, I don't care. Uh, but this this will go away and then all is going to be normal again. But we now, I think, understand that that's not going to happen. And people still endorse these rules. So I, I feel like they need, kind of need them to feel safe. Right? And, yeah, I... Um, I don't know. I'm. 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 I feel like I'm so much, so far removed from. I don't know if I, I would be very interested in. You know, I would say. You know, give me feedback to this. Uh, Private citizen or press feedback. Um, link up the top. Uh, contact link up the top. Please write me. I mean, we have a forum, email, whatever. Um, you know, I don't. If you if you say you don't want to quote it, get quoted on the show, I won't. But I'm just very interested in in your thinking about this do you think um like okay how do i'm how am i gonna how am i gonna put this sorry the microphone there so i need more coffee how am i gonna put this um do do, do you think that I mean, <laughs> what I'm saying is I'm thinking I'm trying to end this topic and I'm eliciting feedback, but I'm thinking if we, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna try to stop talking about this topic for a while, but I think if I'm going to talk about feedback in the next few shows, that's that's okay. I hope that's, that's good. But, like, do you think that this, um, that this fear that, that like, how, I'm, how do you, like how do you feel about that do you have that fear are people who are listening to me on the show like does everybody who does have that fear has already tuned out and thought well what this guy is saying is dangerous for all of us um because i i don't i don't have i don't have that fear i don't have as far as i know i have I haven't gotten this virus um also i'm you know i got three three vaccine uh shots now but um, you know, as far as I, I, I haven't been, I haven't been sick uh, in the last three years. Um, I haven't even had a cold. I think, as far as I can, you know, it's kind of hard to say in the summer because I'm always very hay feverish. Uh, but I, I th yeah, certainly, I, I don't think I've, I've had this. At least, not any serious symptoms. Um, so, you know, so I haven't had the experience. But like, I'm not afraid of it, right? I. Um, of course I'm thinking okay if you get it and you get it seriously like that's shitty and I would then be afraid right um, just as I never was afraid of influenza and I'm pretty sure I got influenza a few years ago and w when I had it and I was lying in bed for like five days and my wife wasn't there and I was like I can't eat I can't I can barely drink I can just and there was a time when I thought I couldn't get from my bed to the toilet because I was so weak and I was like my wife isn't here she can't help me I think I need to call an ambulance if like if this gets bad if like the next time I try to get go to the toilet and I can't I'm going to call an ambulance because this is really bad right I was afraid at that point um, but like I was never before, even though I know what influenza is and I know what it does to people and I know that that, that could happen and I know that I could die from it, um, I was never really afraid of that, right? Um, I was at, you know, in the... <laughs> I 
know, this is like the end of the 90s um i don't know if i must have like watched outbreak or something and then i uh i read uh hot zone um you know which is obviously the, both a movie and a book about uh, the ebola uh, ebola outbreaks uh although outbreak is a fictionalized uh, hot zones uh, it's also fictionalized, but it is largely just a recounting of things that actually happened um, in 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 Reston, Virginia, uh, when they had a live accident with, I think, Marburg virus. Actually, not Ebola, but you know, I read about the Marburg accident, and that like really scared me when I read about that. But then I read more and more about it, and I just you know, it's kind of like um, the more you read about a topic, it's like I, I'm was very afraid of flying for a long time so so i started researching planes and you know how what what can happen and you know how likely it is and whatever and the more you understand about it at least for me it's always like the more i understand about a topic the less afraid i am Um, because i I start to um you start to assess the actual danger right and you realize okay the danger of actually getting an ebola virus (laughs) is tiny and if you get it, then you're like, okay, 50-50 ch- chance to die pretty much. Uh, this is, if you're very healthy, uh, this is um, this is, this is shit. I'm afraid now, right? But like, the same in the plane, uh, you know, when I look out the window and like the engine is disintegrating, that's, that's then the point where I would then start to get afraid. But I'm not afraid anymore of just, flying in a plane because I don't know what it what's happening because I'm you know this is the fear of losing control is basically why I was afraid of um of flying um and um yeah I just don't have it that much and I've I've realized I've 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 thought a lot about fear in recent times and I've talked the other uh it must have been a few months ago I just was I was in a restaurant um eating eating lunch and there was a really nice guy and I was talking to him I I think he was kind of like um, as um, as staffed for human contact as I was we were both in this restaurant there were nobody else so it was like also like in the pandemic and everybody's afraid to go to hospital uh, to hospitals to restaurants right now hospitals as well Um, and we were just talking and uh, we started talking about this topic as well and fear and 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 I was talking about that. I, I think that my chance of dying on a motorcycle is much higher. And he was like, what? You ride a motorcycle? So, no, um, I would never do this. And he was like, basically like really afraid of, like he would never ride a motorcycle because he, he sees, ex- his son seen motorcycle accidents. And, you know, he says, see, I'm, I'm, I'm driving a car and I see like how, what happens, you know, how people treat bikers on the road and it's just horrible. And I, realized at that point that people obviously have a different like i don't know a different way of dealing with danger and with fear and i think if you are at a certain level where like things just scare you you can't you you naturally you wouldn't do things like riding a motorcycle right you wouldn't do scuba diving um you wouldn't go climb mount everest for example I mean, you know, climbing Mount Everest is like, I don't know, it's a, what's a, I, I looked this up recently. I, I think I talked about this on the show as well. I mean, it's like a, a 3%, a 3% of people who go there don't come back. So it's, it's like relatively high. <laughs> um, 
and you know these are all trained people right so and i i would i wouldn't like in my i i wouldn't i don't think i'd go climb out everest but you know if if uh, because basically for me i don't see the appeal pretty much but if i saw the appeal you know and i i would i would start researching it and then i would like train and whatever i i, I think i would do it if i really wanted to do it right i wouldn't let the fear stop me i think um you know it, i i might let the research stop me if i research it it was like okay this is maybe a bit too dangerous right there are just certain things where i go like i don't think this is smart like where for example scuba diving right there's something where you can uh where you can have an accident and you can easily die um but you know if, if you train for it you know you've got people there you know what you're doing then the risk is, is very small but you know if you go like apnoid diving you know the thing where like people are just basically hold their breath for like five minutes and and dive down 30 meters like if you fuck that up you can be down there and then you run out of air and you're dead right or well i mean you have the option of 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 surfacing really quickly uh which will possibly kill you as well or make you really 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 sick um so you know there's certain things where where i go like i don't like i don't want to do that um because i basically i don't see like i was for me it's like a wrist I, I always do like a wrist assessment like what's the appeal i just like ride like riding motorbikes and i know there's a significant risk assessed to that but then on the other hand you know i'm not going on the track right so like some people do because i'm like i don't see the appeal on that i don't think i'm good enough for that and i think it's too dangerous but you know if if i felt like um, if I felt like it would give me something, then you know that maybe was different. And I think there's a there's a spectrum of people, right? I'm, I'm probably in the middle. I'm probably like, okay, I'm 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 okay with taking certain risks if I think it's worth it. There's people who are very risk averse, I, I feel, and then there's people. I think there's people who I think I know people like that. I've never understood them, like who get the, the adrenaline rush, right? Something that really scares them. Um, I mean, that that's a well-understood psychological phenomenon, so I understand it in an academic sense, but I've never experienced it, so I can't really understand. It's like, you know, they get, they're afraid, and and I think the endorphins that get, you know, then the endorphin hit you get when you basically survive is, gives them something. You know, I, I don't have that. Um, I tried bungee jumping once. I was just afraid. The whole way down, the whole way afterwards, I was just afraid. There was no, like, endorph. I get, I got no pleasure from, I mean, I'm afraid of heights as well, but, like, I got no pleasure, pleasure of that at all. And I decided, like, okay, I'm not one of these people. And then I was, actually, in Australia, uh, my my best friend's birthday he did a skydive and he's like do you want to come skydiving with me and i'm like nope no i'm good <laughs> i'm like no i don't think that's going to give me anything except fear uh and i don't want that. i don't want that um 
So I think my fear system, like, it's not like I'm, like, damaged and I can't feel fear. Um, but, like, I, I think one of the advantages I had when with the pandemic is, of course, I had, like, researched viruses extensively because I got really interested in uh, Ebola viruses. And then, you know, you kind of... At some point, I got interested in... You know, there's this, like, thing on Star Trek. Uh, I think it's probably Next Generation where Crusher... I think it's Crusher. She talks to... Or is it Pulaski? I don't know. Some doctor. Like, they talk about that they haven't cured the common cold yet. And I was like, why the why the fuck haven't we cured the common cold? And I went on huge, like, Wikipedia bender, uh, bender and like, read other things. And it's like, oh, yeah. So it's, it's all these kind of viruses and this bacteria. And it's very interesting. Um, anyway, so I thought, you know, there, there I had a lot of information. But if I hadn't had that, I probably would have been afraid of the virus. And then I would have researched it, I think. And then I wouldn't have been, I don't know. I just, I, I yeah, please, if you please tell me what you think about this, right? I, I really want to know. This interests me a lot. Like, how is this fear factor with this disease for you? I mean, viruses are pre like they're perfect for this kind of fear thing because, you know, they are, they're perfect to be afraid of. They're invisible. You don't really understand when you get them, right? It's not like, okay. Um, like that's this like that's this this fear people have for from the transmission and that's like wh whenever you compare like you know I've, I've I've said this on the show a lot and I've talked to people and I'm like you know you're worrying about like your risk to die of this is this high, but actually your risk probably to die you're probably going to die of a, a heart attack or a stroke and that risk is much higher. And people always go like, yeah, but you can like prevent that. You cannot smoke and I can eat healthy and whatever. And I think people have the idea that with a lot of other diseases that they can like do something about it. And with a virus, you can't do something about it. And then you wear a mask and it kind of gives you the illusion that you can do something. I think it's largely an illusion, but anyway. Um, and I think that's why why this fear factor is so big with viruses because people are just like it's an invisible killer people people don't really understand it like viruses are really weird if you like viruses are just a piece of genetic material you know they're, they're a piece of genetic material in a lipid shell that goes into your body and gets your body to reproduce it like it's really dumb well it's also evolutionarily genius which is why they've been around for millions of years and you can't stop them <laughs> um but you know that's all they basically they're like you know that's a, a computer virus they're just a piece of code that re replicates themselves for really no reason because they're not they don't, they're not getting anything of it but then on the other hand you know do mammals get something by pro like you know i don't know they just procreate in their own way, I guess. Uh, but they're like really weird, and I feel like I feel like that's a that's a that's a big factor um, for this whole thing. I think that's pretty much my recap. You know, we've we've talked about the the civil laws, uh, like the the laws that have been passed. The the civil liberties we've 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 lost, um, the privacy uh, concerns, you know. Um, I mean, all over the place, 
um, not only in Germany, but everywhere. It's like, but in Europe, you know, no, not even Europe. It's not even the GDPR thing. You know, patient handling patient data, or like tracking people when they when they come into your like patient data had to be like handled very very carefully like you couldn't just go and oh we need to track everybody that goes into our company and, and when they leave and whatever that was also a big no no suddenly it's like no uh, we have to do this like doesn't matter where put all your data in here you want to go to a restaurant all your data now we're tracking it we're putting it in the database who fucking cares you know we're going to do this now otherwise we're all dead um, like this huge shift um and and basically what i just want to say to wind this all up is and this is going to be like we're, we're going to have to be stoic about this everybody take take each other's hands we're going to form a circle we're going to be we're going to be stoic about this because um i've looked at this now for like two years or long, longer and you know in the beginning i was saying fight the new normal i think we're fucked um I think this is never like first of all just from a general legislation analysis political science background uh, laws like this are not changed back it's extremely um, extremely rare that something like this happens right Um, so like you know the data retention laws getting repealed something like this is extremely rare and you know the upload filters now that the new German government wants to maybe scrap um, something like this is extremely rare and it really never happens I think with like law and order kind of legislation Um, because politicians never give up power ever no politician does that. That is like the that goes against all instincts any politician has has, and that doesn't matter in what kind of system they're a politician. Doesn't matter if they're in the Communist Party of China or in the German democratically elected Bundestag. Um, they don't do that. So I don't think that's going away. Um, Maybe if there was a huge outcry in society against it, we had we would have a small chance, but there's not. Society generally, I feel, has accepted this, um, and even if they're not, if even if it's not the majority that has accepted it, it looks like the majority, right? Because you know the way um, consensus is created, you know, works through. Uh, kind of like opinion um, amplifiers, you know, generally the press influences <laughs> these days. Um, and and they have decided that this is what, you know, what we want to have. And anybody who does, you know, there's still protests in Germany um, pretty much every day, for example, against this and in other countries. But these people all get put, you know, we talked about this before, in our society, we know we have everybody has to have categories, and if you, you know, if if you you say okay, I don't want people to be forced vaccinated, you're immediately an anti-vaxxer, and you're a moron, and you're you're a flat earther, and you voted for Trump, and uh, you're a Nazi in Germany, immediately a Nazi, um, you know, and literally, I mean, this is literally what happened. 
right? When this whole, the whole pandemic laws were voted on in the Bundestag, there was a huge demonstration in front of the Bundestag. There were some neo-Nazis there. There were a hell of a lot of people who weren't neo-Nazis. And everybody who was there was like, these people, are, everybody who was there was horrible. I wrote a column. I said, I understand the people are demonstrating there. And colleagues in the press called me out for siding with Nazis. And I, I said, you know, that's a democratic right we have to protest when something like this happens. And you can't just go at any demonstration of any size. There's always going to be one neo-Nazi. Right? You get 100,000 people together in Germany. There's going to be one idiot is going to be there. You can't just go. Everybody there is must be outcast from society and can never have a voice again because there was one shaved head guy with a swastika tattooed on his face uh, there. Like, that, that's that's kind of like how it works. And that, this is why we we can't, like, even if we wanted to, I don't think we can get any of this changed. Um, I think, sadly, that ship has sailed. I think the the the, the liberties we've lost, the privacy we've lost, um, that's irreversible. Now, what I don't want to do on this show, so what I what I what I want to do going forward, is not talk about news again when there is new laws until they're you know unless they're very very groundbreaking or very very dangerous or threaten our society or whatever, but like the general stuff, I, I think we can't change this. We have to accept this. Which doesn't mean, I, I want to point this out, this doesn't mean I've given up. And this doesn't mean I've, I accept the new normal. And I will, whenever stuff comes up, um, I will... I've not changed my mind, right? The fact that these civil liberties have been taken away from me uh, and are probably not coming back doesn't mean I'm going to get used to that. Because I remember a time when... We had those, right? I remember a time when you could go to a restaurant without having to put your fucking name and address down. I remember a time when in Germany we understood that you couldn't just... that the state, for whatever reason, couldn't just do medical procedures to somebody... Because society wanted that. I remember that time, and I will never let that go. Right? I remember a time when you could go out and you couldn't, you didn't have to wear a mask. In fact, where it was illegal in many places to wear a mask. Um, so it doesn't mean that you know. It doesn't mean that I've given up. That I've accepted the new normal. And I don't think I don't want you to. I mean, whatever you do, it's up up to you. Right? But I think we shouldn't. I think we should understand, especially, you know, if you listen to a show and I'm doing a show about privacy, I, 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 um, I want to get back. Like, you know, if I'd started this podcast and the pandemic hadn't happened, I would still have had a lot to complain, a lot of privacy issues that I want solved. And now it's even worse. So I'm not going to, you know, I will still complain about those issues, but I'm, I will also never let these kind of things go. Right? I will never let the fact go that we now have a law in Germany where the authorities can come into your home 
because they think you are sick or you are doing a you you're you're having an illegal party right i've been brought up for the for the first i don't know 34 35 years of my life to understand that in our society um your health and whether you are sick or not is nobody's business but yourself and your doctors and i still feel that way and i'm not going to let that go and i don't want anybody else to let that go but i feel like belaboring this on the show again and again just didn't help anybody um so that's why i wanted to explain this i wanted to again explain my thinking um you know without getting into a huge discussion how deadly i think this disease is i think it's um I think it's beside the point um, because I'm generally not a very ide idealistic person, but I think we should have some ideas, uh, ideals in society. And I feel these days, even with something, even if this would have been Ebola, even if this would have been as contagious as SARS-CoV-2 and as deadly as Ebola, and half the people in Germany would have died by now, um, I still don't think we should have given up our civil liberties because in hindsight it's even clearer because we've given them up for measures that didn't really work i think that have largely been um the protection people thought they were getting was largely an illusion um i think it becomes clearer and clearer um that what what epidemiologists that weren't listened to you know when 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 the german government same thing uh same thing in the us uh you know people uh, listen to to fauci here they listen to drosten uh people are virologists um you know, not specialists for how diseases spread but how they work in the body um you know they listen to those people and, and there were a lot of epidemiologists who said uh, something like this you basically can't do anything about it you can kind of you know you can yes your vaccination does uh, um, you know decrease the spread mass decrease the spread but in the end the only thing we can do is like let this go through the population and the people who will die will die we can do our best to like enforce our uh, healthcare systems you know to rescue as many people as we can um, and that's just the way it goes and that that's basically the way these diseases have worked since time immemorial and the only reason why there's less people dying of something like this now than in the middle ages is just we've improved medicine right and we've improved ways of helping you but you know it, it i mean even after two years of this disease um, we basically have no new technology to fight viruses and uh, there's something you know some some Drugs are finally now on the horizon, but you know the 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 the, the vaccines are new, not new technology, right? They they invented new ways of 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 you know new vaccine technology uh, to get there quicker, right? But like you know all all the drugs up till now that we had, you know like uh, remdesivir and stuff like that that we had, you know we tried to develop with Ebola and stuff like that too, um, you know don't really work. Well, they work, but not as not not largely as well as as we would like, right? Because we don't have something like like um, antibiotics for a viral disease, right? You get a virus. Um, generally, if you're healthy, generally, 
your immune system will cope with them right uh, with that and if 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 your immune system doesn't cope then you die of something because you know even with with other viruses right if you're very, if you're severely immunodepressed and you get like a rhinovirus you could probably die of that as well i think you know you just get like um it just destroys your cells and then you get like bacteria infections and you just you get organ failure right and then or you get like you know for, usually people get people get um pneumonia you know which is or lung organ failure basically um and and that's that's been a, that's been the same ever since right and and we've tried to develop drugs uh, basically all antiviral drugs what they do is they try to um so because the virus gets into your body uh you if your immune system is not quick enough to like to stomp on it right when it when it's there um it keeps replicating and because you get into a well it's not really exponential but like a near exponential thing where you know you got virus it gets it duplicates and duplicates again and it gets more and more and more and more and if your immune system can't stomp down on it you know you get overwhelmed and so these these drugs usually try to uh, stop the virus from replicating and a vaccine, which is relatively old technology, um, but, you know, very reliable, generally uh, it just, uh, you know, kind of fake infects you and gives your immune system like a leg up, right? If you get the disease properly, then your immune system already knows what to do, right? It's like, uh, oh, this army is invading. We, we already know how to build the tanks. Whereas if you see the virus for the first time, your immune system basically has to research what a tank is and how to build it, and then it builds the tank. Whereas here we're like, oh, we got the blueprints ready, get the steel, get you know, make the tanks. Um, and and if you use an antiviral drug, then it's basically oh, the, we first we just air, basically you just airstrike the area and you kill it. I don't know if it's really what it does, but like. I think generally stuff like remdesivir basically um, that's why they have hefty uh, side effects. Well, unpleasant side effects. They're they're, they're not life threatening generally, but what they basically they're a little bit like um, um, uh, cancer um, chemo- chemotherapy drugs, right? They kind of nuke you the abilities of your cell to uh, replicate, and you know the more targeted you get them, you can make them so that they just stop a certain process in the cell that the virus hijacks to replicate and then you just stop that on your whole body level for a bit and then the virus can't replicate anymore and then your immune system can clear up afterwards um but like you know that's that's the stuff we have and there's not not really anything anything new i feel i mean now there's actually stuff there's this you know it's not this merc drug which looks relatively um uh you know, it looks like it could actually could actually help us with this shit. But like, um, but so so basically, that's 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 what happened. You know, that's 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 what we have. We have this virus. Really, nothing new. Really, I mean, even it's 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 coronaviruses aren't new. This is like SARS two. We had SARS one and MERS. Um, which weren't as contagious and basic, but if you like, if you read the reports on SARS and MERS, the people were already on like people know what they're doing. They were kind of like, well, know what they're doing, but they were tasked with like this kind of 
civil defense stuff like protecting us against epidemics and, and pandemics they were like this is really really worrying we, like we we managed to like contain it in those two cases but you know it's any day now there's going to come a, another one and we can't contain that which surprise surprise is is what happened um but it's like you know so it so it it wasn't even like it's not like even an unforeseen thing. There've been books, like you know, there've been reports. There've been like the WHO, the German, uh, you know. I mean, that's why they changed the in Infektionsschutzgesetz in two thousand and one, because you know the fir the first changes because they were kind of not specifically like this coronavirus, but they they were afraid that something like this could happen. Um, because you know something like this has always happened in the past. You know there were always outbreaks, but they never like became a pandemic because we we didn't have like planes, right? And people couldn't get from one country to the other in the time it took for them to still being infectious, right? They would start to travel somewhere and they would get sick, and then they couldn't travel anymore and they stay there, and you know so it, this the whole thing couldn't spread fast enough. But we basically saw all this coming. Um, but people still get so overwhelmed with the fear somehow that, yeah, that we're there. And I, I don't think we're going to go back. I don't think I, I think I should still we should still remember what's been lost and try to fight to get it back, but also be realistic about it, which for me means you know, concentrating a lot of the energy that I'm doing on this podcast on other topics. Because to be honest, there there's nothing there's nothing new. Like I look at the news, I look at like can I what what can I report? And it's, it's like all the same thing. It's the magic incidence number that's that's been crap since the beginning of the pandemic. Where even the press understood and was talking about the fact that this number is like basically very unscientific because it's based on how much you test so it's it's kind of like you know it's kind of like if you had a space program and you, you wanted to go to the moon right and you're like is this dangerous can we get people up there right and then you, you you do like a test rocket and let's say you were worried about the radiation and it leaves the atmosphere and it comes back down and you're like, oh, this is severely irradiated. This would kill people. You shoot another rocket up and it's like, oh, this wasn't irradiated at all. Right? And then you go like, okay, the chance is basically 50-50. Right? And then you shoot another rocket up and it gets irradiated. And you're like, oh, now it, the chance to die is like a third and it gets worse. So we just stop testing. <laughs> or if you, if you want actually people to scare from going to space... You can just shoot more rockets up and see, you know, it's like, what kind of a database, I mean, this is a really stupid example, but, you know, I'm talking about this from the beginning and it's, 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 it's dumb. So, but that numbers, these numbers are still used <laughs> to decide everything. Like even the German government made a new law, said these incident numbers are really not like telling us anything. We need to go by hospitalization rate if we decide anything about like restrictions and and the public health care system. And then they stopped and they went back to incidence rate. And you're like, I'm, f f you know, yeah, this is an audio podcast. Yeah, I'm live streaming this as well, a video on Twitch. Uh, all the information to that, by the way, if you want to ever 
watch that private citizen oppressed but i'm i'm face palming um it's just and it's it's everything repeats i was just like okay now we're uh now like at the end of last year it's like okay now we get i mean it's not gonna go away this whole thing but now we're getting reasonable again that's like omicron we get a new variant oh my god everybody needs to be scared right and i i look into this and i'm like okay let's let's research this okay so uh even the who says uh you know at that point where i started researching it, it was very early on they were like oh it's probably uh more infectious but people get less are less in danger they you know they get much um, milder variants of the disease so it's much less dangerous to people and uh, all the vaccines are st still working but then for weeks and months like they didn't have any data but every but the press was basically what if the vaccines don't work oh my god it's more contagious yeah there's some milder but you know we don't really know we don't really know if it's what and you know it and then it just like looks more and more like the initial predictions were correct but our people are still like oh my god oh and it it goes on right this week i read an article about a german hospital where the, the headline was basically basically in cap no, it wasn't really in capital letters, but the headline was basically oh my god chaos we don't know how many effect infections are in this hospital you read the article and it's like, oh my God, it's like chaos and nobody knows, nobody has any numbers. And and then you read into it and and you basically, feel, I was like, how, do, how does that work? I mean, you get tested when you get in the hospital. Everybody gets fucking tested, so they should know exactly. But then the thing is, um, so they had, like, they had started, I don't know, they had people who got sick in the hospital who weren't sick before. And they basically figured out that um, okay, these were healthy patients that infected, that got infected while they were in the hospital by other people who were positive, but who didn't really have any symptoms mostly, but otherwise they would have been isolated. So basically what was happening is they had an Omicron outbreak and a lot of people got infected, i.e. they were test positive, but they didn't have any serious symptoms. Nobody died. Nobody had to go to the ICU. Basically, the headline was, we don't know how many people in this hospital are infected. But the bottom line is, we don't know that because they don't look sick. And nothing's happening to them. So it's like, that the whole story is like, oh my God, everybody's going to die. It's really bad. And then you read into it and it's like, no, actually, uh, no. <laughs> actually, the opposite. <laughs> actually... You could have written that whole story with a lot of people getting infected, but hey, you know, silver lining, nobody's actually, there's no, there's no serious outcome out of this as far as we can tell. It's like, I, I just, I can't, I can't anymore. I can't, like, I'm a fucking journalist. This is my job. I can't, like, I can't fucking do this anymore. I know it's not a conspiracy, right? But like, there's, 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 if I read stories like this on a, on a weekly, almost a daily basis, right? And I've done so for years. And it used to be tech. And it used to be people not understanding how, I don't know, 
somebody hacking into a network works. It used to be about Apple phones, what, whatever. Now it's about this. And I, I read this and it's like there's two possibilities. Either the people, the person writing this is incredibly dumb or intelligent but has absolutely no capacity for critical thinking at all or it's a conspiracy <laughs> and they're all out to get us. And I don't think it's a second. I think the people are just, they're just dumb. The journalists are dumb. The people reading it are dumb. Like, like on a, like, I don't, I don't watch the news anymore because I can't, because I, I just want to, I just want to murder people. I just, I can't, I, I can't. And then I'm like in a restaurant or whatever. I they listen to the radio and I did radios on and I, I hear the news and I, I hear they're just reading out something and it makes no sense and people just accept it and they move on. Now I'm like, the thing he just said doesn't make no sense at all. He just like literally contradicted himself or like they say things like, I mean, we're two years in the pan into the pandemic and professional people on the radio, like public broadcasting journalists say things like, Blah, blah, blah. Okay, uh, North Rhine's failure, the incidence rate doubled. Which doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean... Like, I want to know, does that mean it doubled? Like, or like people in intensive care beds in this hospital, whatever, doubled. You're like, what's that mean? Does that mean it went from two beds to four? Or from 500 to 1,000? Which is a huge difference. It is. It is. I just like it's, it's all over the place. I write this. Um, I write this 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 uh, weekly column for for a newsletter uh, in East Frisia, which is a, which is an area in the uh, northeast of Germany, uh, which is famously very ordinary. I, I love Frisians. They're great people. They're amazing. They're really cool. But it's very, uh, you know, I live in a big city in, in Western Germany. Um, and um, I write tech tech column. Um, but it, it's very um, underpopulated, right? There's very few people living there. It's, it's, it's a huge uh, uh, landscapes and, and very few people living there. My best friend actually lives uh, right in the middle there and I have contacts there. And I know people there. I know how, how they live and it's really cool and interesting. And they have, so because I'm writing for this newspaper, I'm like, I should better, they have like this newsletter, free newsletter from the editor-in-chief. And I'm like, yeah, I should probably read that. So I get that in my inbox every day. And I just like, they're, they're very, you know, very, very, very concerned about the coronavirus situation. Um, they're writing about that in the newsletter a lot. And uh, the other week, uh, they had the story that in all of East Frisia, which is uh, uh, relatively, I don't know, how big is East Frisia? I'm going to look this up. Uh, so I don't lie. Like my, no, Not lying, but like, you know, completely uninformed. Uh, so East Frisia, the total area is uh, 3,142 square kilometers. Um and it has a population of 468,000 people. So the, the city I live in, Dusseldorf, has, has more than that. And it's a city. And this is like 3,000 square kilometers. Um, 
And they had a story that they have one person, one person in the whole geographic area in an ICU bed. And that was a scary story to them. And they were seriously like, this is a big story. This is like, I'm like, seriously, one person? The hospital my wife works in at the time had like six people in ICU beds. <laughs> it's just one hospital in this world. It's just like people just like this. It's just like they don't critically ref like. Even if they don't, even if they just have two ICU beds. They, they just drive some, one of them to fucking Düsseldorf or whatever in, into the... You're just a very tiny area. You know, there was another story, like, with, like two years into the pandemic, they had, like, 130 people died of coronavirus in East Frisia. And I'm like, this is probably how many people, like, this year in Düsseldorf died from falling in their home. You know, and hitting the head on something. I don't. It's and it doesn't matter where you are. It's like it's that's like it's always the fear story. <laughs> like instead of like, oh, I'm li actually living in an area where basically nobody fucking dies of this. Okay, there's also not many, not that many people living there. But like, if you like, if you would say, okay, so if you take all of these three and say it was basically the same population as Düsseldorf in the same time, how many people have died in Düsseldorf? It must have been in the thousands because. East Frisia is like, their people are spread out and they're northern Germans. Like, they don't, even if they meet, they don't talk to each other. Like, they don't even meet. They're, they're very ornery and like to be on their own. And it's like, you could basically advertise that area if you want to be safe. Move to fucking East Frisia because you're in the middle of fucking nowhere and you never meet anybody. But it's like, it's all over. I don't know. I want to know. I really want to know. Is this the same, like, where you are? Is this, like, I talk to my in-laws who live in the, also, not in East Frisia, but they live in the middle fucking nowhere uh, in the Lüneburg Heath. And they're like, in the pandemic, they were relatively scared. I mean, they don't really go out and do anything anyway. They're just in the house. But they go, they go for walks a lot in Lüneburg Heath. And they were like t telling us like, okay, if we, oh, sometimes, some, so they go for a walk for like four hours. Sometimes we meet another person and we actually go on the other side of the, like the walking path or whatever. Like we try to like keep our, and I'm like, I live in a fucking city. If I go out, there's, there's people everywhere. Like I live like next to Kölner Straße, which is the uh, is one of the most populated areas of Düsseldorf. Like if I go out there, there are people everywhere, and they're from fucking most of them are from fucking Southern Europe. They're like they don't fucking uh, <laughs> respect your personal space. Like you're in Northern Germany, and I'm like, why are you scared? You you live in the you like you don't go out if you go out you never fucking meet anybody because there's nobody living where you are you you like you have the you you have huge areas where you can just go walk for hours and never meet anybody like you're in paradise right why are you scared they're like we're scared they didn't say we're scared but you could like they were basically scared uh, i don't understand humans 
And sometimes, I don't know, I ask myself if I'm the only one. But I should probably stop. I'm probably repeating myself um, endlessly. And I should should wind this up. Um, so I've, I've basically have taken stock now of what I think is going on and how I feel about it. And I just don't see um, me reporting about this uh at least not proactively. If something huge happens, of course, I'm going to talk about it. But um, if you still want coverage about this, and I've said this a lot, if, I, if, you, if you want to talk about, or if you want to send me links about what's going on where you are, um, we had people chiming in from Russia, from Australia in the past, the UK, of course, the US, um, all over the US, Canada. I'm very interested in this. And I always will, you know, if, if, if listeners, that's the exception here, if listeners prompt me to talk about something, I will. Unless I don't. I mean, I exercise editorial control, all right? So sometimes I just think things are not a, a topic. Um, um, and it's sometimes it's very personal. For example, one thing I never talked about is I had a, I had a listener um, sending me information about, um, I can't even remember what this was. Might have also been in Canada or the US. Um, some Something to do with like preachers and them saying something and then getting arrested and whatever. And I'm just, that's just not my, you're on the wrong podcast for this. I just, I don't, I don't like religion. Um, I understand that these are issues, but the whole issue was about like them being a preacher and that was the whole thing. And it wasn't about just like a person saying, you know, um, expressing their political beliefs. It was all about them being, and I just don't like, I don't, I don't think, I don't. I don't think religions should exist. All right, I've said this before, um, so I'm I'm the wrong person to talk about something like this. So sometimes I just do that. I just exercise um, editorial control. But you know, it's just just you gotta have to live with that. That's the way it goes. This is why I run the show, and that's my one prerogative for all the work I do or try to do. Um, so and I don't think I don't think reporting is gonna do us anything. I, th- I think we all know what's going on. Um, we, we I think if you're still listening to the show, you've heard me talk about this a lot. You know you know the issues. You know what's going on. You know the societal issues. You know the privacy issues. You know the civil rights issues. If there's new issues coming up, yes, um, by by any means, tell me about it. I will talk about it. But I think for now we're good. We know what's going on. Uh, we know that people are crazy sometimes, and you know. I don't think it, it's worth fighting it. And so that that's my reasoning while I'm going to try to move on from this topic and and um, kind of bury the uh, <laughs> the coronavirus coverage once again. Um, yeah, I, the first time I did this episode 27, um, I thought that was the first summer I thought we were getting back to normalcy. Um, I was obviously completely wrong. Um, I don't think that's the case now. Um, I think quite of the quite the contrary but i think at this point it's not going to help us um we know what the issues are if you want to convince somebody you probably have the arguments for it um if you can go for it i don't think i, I think the um this is kind of like uh you know what 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 would the analogy be, be that is like we're in this discussion. If you talk to somebody who's on the other side, we're basically this is Verdun, right? <laughs> We've been doing this for like three years. Every, the 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 landscape is is completely destroyed, right? The the social media landscape, the 
you can't have a discussion anyway. Everything's flattened. All the trees, like the houses are gone. It's all just mud now. And we're all, we're all sitting in the mud. And we've been doing this for like two years, three years. And uh, there's, there's no way forward, no way back. There's, there's, there's just no winning here, I feel. Um, if something new comes up, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to talk about this again. And of course, if you uh, have something, as always, private citizen press uh, at the top, the contact page that still doesn't have the forum on it because I'm and it also has the Discord which doesn't exist. I, I have to fix this page, but you know it has the secure contact form. Um, it has a it has my email address. Has the uh, disclaimer that I don't like people sending me. Um, fucking put me on email lists but this doesn't apply to you if you listen to the podcast you can ignore this this uh the the, the disclaimer on this just for the marketing people that go to that page um yeah but there's a link to the forum um in the so every uh every episode obviously has a feedback section there's also a forum link on there there's just forum.fab.industries um yeah let's see if this works let's see if i can move on from this let me know what you think if you like no, we need this coverage. It's very important. Um, please let me know. Maybe I'm just wrong about this. I just, I just, this is mostly born out of me. A, it's getting really hard for me to cope with this shit. And, you know, but it's just always the same bullshit. Um, it's always the same bad arguments and, and, and people just don't want to actually look at facts or look at research or you know actually like even news articles there's no there's no there's nothing in there which even like approaches the scientific um explanation of what they're telling what they're selling me it's just like oh science says this <laughs> no it doesn't i i've looked it up a year ago it doesn't and it hasn't fucking changed um so you know i just i just don't i just don't see it anymore i don't see the the use in it anymore Speaking of the feedback section, let's get into that. Um, let's talk about the feedback and uh, how you can also send me some for this show. We have a producer who often writes us, uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov, goes by Necros on the forum. Uh, as always, very thoughtful feedback. Uh, he writes from Moscow in uh, in Russia, obviously. <laughs> Do I need to explain where Moscow is? Um, Goddamn Ruskies! Um, yeah, I really like uh, his feedback. It's often very good. This is why it often gets quoted on the show. It's also, of course, on the forum. I put a link in there, but I'm going to read it to you now. Evgeny said he's talking about the recent, the last episode, uh, 105, uh, where I talked about something that was or is important to me, the difference between law and justice. And Evgeny says, uh, a very much needed episode indeed. My compliments for laying it out straight and nice. I'm glad that worked. Sometimes I just don't know if I'm waffling anymore. Um, like today was probably horrible, but it's good that it works sometimes. Um, he continues, you've mentioned a principle that is widely acknowledged and in Russia is usually formulated as... A person's ignorance about the law doesn't indemnify that person of the liability for breaking the said law. You cited a German saying to the same extent, and I'm immediately... So the German saying is, um, Unwissenheit schützt vor Strafe nicht. Um, the fact that you don't know about the law doesn't 
protect you from um, being punished. Uh, you, you cited the German saying to the same extent, and I immediately remembered an argument that I can't quite remember the origin of. I read it somewhere, most certainly in some science fiction. I find the argument amusing, even if questionable, so I thought I'd share it. I think it's very good. It's not, I don't know if he's quoting it from memory. The whole thing sounds vaguely um, Douglas Adams-y to me. It sounds like it comes from Douglas Adams or from somebody who's influenced by Douglas Adams. It's a very Douglas Adams way of thinking. And he had this very, like, kind of um, almost like a way to packaging like psy psy um, not psychological um, philosophical ideas and like these, these thought games, right? Um, these these things you talk about if you if you talk about uh, philosophy you often have these thought examples you know trolley problem whatever stuff like that uh, the the cave thing you know Plato's cave thing uh, and he had a very uh, very mainstream well, not mainstream but like very um, approachable way of putting these so that is what reminds me of anyway um if any quotes this um, if all people or at least most of the people, were to obey the laws, the society would function the way that, that lawmakers intended. In a democracy, it is usually implied that the lawmaker's goal is the good of the people, I talked about this, and the laws are written to that extent, which is why obeying the laws is desirable. It's basically what you learn in school, all right? Um, However, to anyone looking at any modern legal system, it is absolutely obvious that a layperson cannot possibly be expected to read and fully comprehend all the aspects of the laws relevant to the layperson's life. Even professional lawyers usually don't claim to be well-versed in laws outside of their immediate area of expertise, be that criminal law, property law, inheritance law, or some other area. And at the same time, all those and multiple other laws apply to our layperson who is supposed to follow these laws in day-to-day -day life. To follow and obey some regulation, one need to first comprehend that regulation, and the vastness of our legal systems makes it impossible, an impossible task for a layperson. It is therefore obvious that our legal systems are not suitable for following in day-to-day -day life and were likely not created for this intent at all. I mean, I know what he means by questionable. I mean, it is it's kind of like a provoke. Prov it's it's like provocant. I'm, I'm trying to say something in German that doesn't work in English, uh, that which is not good. Um, provocatively, I think it's like provocatively put. Right. Um, I think our laws were intended to be followed. And I think that's a general idea, but like they just got too complicated, um, you know. And they're very complicated. And they, there is all, there's often like, I mean, I don't know where you are, but I think if you think long enough, you can think of a case in your own legal system. I certainly can think of cases in the UK and, of course, in Germany where kind of you know this kind of thing applies. A good example is in Germany, we have a thing called it's not a law, it's a Verordnung, so it's like a, it's a step under law for all intents and purposes. Let's call it a law. We have a law called the STVO, Straßenverkehrsordnung. It's very German, Straßenverkehrsordnung. Uh, it governs traffic on the road, right? What you're allowed to do, what you you know, how to. Uh, 
yield at a crossroads uh, you know how how traffic lights work all this kind all the different signs all this um now there's a sign that you see uh in in germany very often that is a sign that says here gilt the stvo uh the this traffic law the stvo um is in effect here and the sign is always on private property so let's say you have a supermarket and they have a parking space they'll put the sign up and this sign is absolutely completely idiotic <laughs> because um if you read the stvo it says in there that uh, it this law let's call it law for all intents and purposes this law governs traffic on public roads it only is an effect on public roads it is not an effect on a private parking space now you can say if you know, because that is your like if okay if if i'm the supermarket chain right if i'm edeka i can say this is my parking space i allow you to park there you park your car there drive along there and i can say the stvo is in effect here could completely say that because i could also say um i mean it wouldn't be i could say uh, I'll, I'll smash your car if you park in the wrong place although there are probably other legal issues but you can say whatever you want at first you know it's your parking space right um but the problem is the stvo gets enforced by the police and the police can only enforce the STVO because it says in that law that it only uh, is enforceable on on public roads. On public roads, the police cannot I enforce traffic law on private property. That would be your job as the guy who that belongs to. But you you're not allowed to enforce any laws, right? You can't just as a private person go, oh, uh, you violated my law. I'm going to put you in jail. That's the job of the police, right? That's so so it's like a conundrum. Right, so the police cannot enforce it there, and you can't enforce it there either. So you can put up a sign, but the sign doesn't mean anything, which has been held up in several court cases where you know in Germany the SFO says you know there's right of ways always to the right. If there's no traffic signs and you're at a crossroads, the guy coming from the right always has right of way. Everybody, you know, the the guy from left, if if a car comes from the left, you can go. If it comes from the right, you have to yield, right? And there were people who, you know, saw that sign, SDFOs in effect, and uh, obeyed that rule. And then somebody didn't, and they had a crash. And the courts have, you know, consistently said, well, yeah, uh, true. But, you know, since the SDFO is not in effect and it can't be enforced, really, you, it doesn't, you, it's, it's, the sign is meaningless. And you basically have to negotiate with the other driver. So basically, the rule is don't don't assume this this law is in effect just you know just don't drive into the other guy's car um and it, whenever i see the sign it, it, cra it cracks me up it cracks me up to no end but like th there's something like this in every country right um and and this is a purely a, a, um an outgrowth of people not understanding this law. I mean, it says in that very law, you can look it up, but nobody does. And people see other people putting up that sign. They think it's a good idea to put it up themselves. Um, or, you know, there's there's other, like, I always have these traffic examples because I ride around in a car lot or on the road and whatever. Um, there's like many ways where people just don't understand the law. Um, for example, in Germany, um, only the police is allowed to um, control the traffic. So let's say you're on a crossroads and the traffic light is broken and does weird things 
and there's a guy standing in the middle of the crossroads directing traffic. If he's not a police officer in a police officer's uniform, he's not allowed to do that. There, there are very there are a few examples where the, for example, the fire brigade, brigade right? If a building burns and they block the road, they're allowed to do that. Uh, but generally, not only the police are allowed to direct traffic. You see a lot of people directing traffic in Germany all the time. Sometimes there's like a big construction site, and there will be a guy who has like a, a high-risk vest, and he has even has things in his hands to direct traffic. If you follow that guy's direction and you you produce a crash, you you will be at fault. You are not allowed to follow that guy's direction because he was not obviously a police officer. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. Um, or there's another thing. Also, let's just get into pet peeves of mine. Um, so we have a thing on the German on the German autobahn that is um, called Rettungsgasse. So if there's a traffic jam, what you do is you drive to the side of your lane and between the leftmost overtaking lane and whatever lanes right right of that. So if there's two lanes in the middle of the two, there's three lanes between the left lane and the middle lane, um, you know, you, you leave basically a lane, a gap, right? Because for emergency vehicles to go through or tow trucks or whatever. And um, that was like kind of a, like a, a rule no, it was like a soft, it wasn't a rule. It was like a thing you were supposed to do. Um, they put that in the traffic law now. And there's like all these like little people who think they're like the the, the, the sheriff of the town, whatever. There's people that have like uh, stickers on their car where they're like, oh, if they, if there's a traffic jam, you have by Stau Rettungsgasse lassen. They'll tell you like how to, like with a little diagram, how to do that. Um, and uh, But people don't understand this is a pet peeve of mine. That this applies to a traffic jam. So that you're only supposed to do this when the traffic is completely stopped. Not when there's stop and go. Not when basically, okay, there's a traffic jam on the, basically a traffic jam on the, on, on the motorway, on the autobahn. Uh, and there's three lanes and they're all going like at 40 kilometers per hour. Right? Normally you'd go 100, whatever. So you, there's, there's a congestion. There's, it looks like a traffic jam, but people are not stopped. And they leave this thing. And it's just like you're not supposed to do that. It's completely idiotic, because uh, like the 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 if everybody's going forty, the rescue vehicles are not going to go a hundred through that. Like they're only going through that gap if all the traffic's completely stopped. It would be way too dangerous otherwise. Um, also, as long as you're still moving. People like people literally honked at me because I was going in the I, I do this a lot. I go in the middle of the lane as long as the traffic's moving because you're supposed to do that, right? And people apparently don't realize that as long as your car is moving, you can just like if I still go ten kilometers an hour, if I see the car in front of me stopping, I'm supposed to leave distance anyway to be safe. Right? I can just use that space to drive to the side. And I always do that. And then I stop. And then the, the thing in the middle is there. But, like, people just don't understand. Like, it's not only that they don't know the law. Sometimes they just don't understand the laws because everybody just does something and they don't agree. I don't know. Maybe I, I only have traffic laws example examples. But there must be, like, if you're a lawyer, there must be, like, hundreds of these things where people generally think. Oh, there's another one. Um, there's um, There's an interesting – lots of people in Germany think – that it is a crime to insult a police officer. And there's a term that gets bandied about um, that 
that's called Beamtenbeleidigung. So um, insulting an uh, officer of the state, basically. That doesn't exist. There's no law for that. Um, now, if you call a policeman a fucking moron, the police are going to sue you. You're going to get indicted. But it's a, it, that law is just insult, insulting somebody, right? That's the same thing. Like, if you insult me and you insult a police officer, it's literally before the law. It's exactly the same thing. The difference is normal people normally don't sue you and the police always does because, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of important for, for them to be, uh, uh, you know, be respected and it's kind of their thing to do that. Um, but like there's this, like this illusion that, that this law exists, which it doesn't. Like it's so weird. Um, but there must be like, there must be hundreds of other examples. It must be the same in every country. I'm thinking like, because Yevgeny's from Russia, um, I'm thinking about like I've I've read a lot about uh, Stalinism uh, in in uh, recent years, and um, so I read a Stalin biography that goes a lot into how he like ran uh, the regime and how he built it up. And one of his big things, like um, where um, it's like it's not obviously you can't like, scientifically prove if he did this on purpose, um, but he definitely used it. The laws in the uh, Soviet Union um, were so complicated from the very beginning, like basically from the revolution, they made so complicated laws that nobody could oversee them all. And basically Stalin used this uh, to his advantage because he basically realized that he could, if he wanted somebody's head or he wanted to arrest somebody, um, he would basically, he could like, you could just do that because it was almost impossible to not like, uh, you know, follow follow fall foul of any laws. I think it was Jelzinski, uh the guy uh, who founded the secret police, like the Cheka, which then became, I don't know what did the, the, the was it the Cheka became the U Cheka, which became the NKVD thing, which eventually became the KGB. Um, I think it was Jadzinski who said, uh, was it point me, uh, point out a man to me and I can tell you what law he's broken? And that wasn't even like, they didn't, like, that was a very big thing uh, in in this uh, book I was reading. And then I was also reading another book about how the checker worked. And they were always, always talking about how, like, um, there's like this belief that they made up all these um Basically, if they wanted to get rid of somebody, you want to have them shot or whatever, they would make up uh, crimes that that person committed. But that's actually a lot of the time not how they did it. They just basically knew a lot about you. They, they surveilled somebody, and they would immediately, like, they would very easily found some law that th- that those guys were circumventing because you just couldn't live like in the, you know, in the in the in the fifties, sixties. Uh, or even like in, in the war period in the 30s and the 40s, you couldn't live in the Soviet Union. You couldn't live a normal life without just breaking laws all over the place because it's just, they just had very ridiculous laws and they were very complicated. Um, and yeah, so so I, w- I just thought of that when, when I thought of Yevgeny. So, so I think, yeah, that's just an unfortunate fact of um, of our legal systems that they are so complicated which is also why lawyers make so much money right this is why uh, becoming a lawyer is, is a very secure profession and not something i could ever do because i find it incredibly boring 
and also um they have to be very careful what they say you know because when they say something it's considered legal advice and they have to just if they talk as a lawyer in their capacity they only can talk about things they really know this is why when you ask a lawyer like is okay i want to do this is is that illegal or like should i do this can i do this like nine times out of ten you get the answer it depends like i um uh i've you know when you when you're a journalist you you sometimes run into this you know you write articles and like can we publish it like this and um one thing i always um i was very very happy about uh, when i worked for heiser um heiser has an in-house lawyer called jörg heidrich um he actually does their um privacy podcast as well he's on there a lot um and I, he he's a great guy and i always um very much respected him for being somebody you could go to like a lawyer right you could go to you could actually ask like can I publish this article like this? And he would he would not say it depends, right? He wouldn't say, yeah, you're in the clear because you basically can't do that because our laws are so complicated. But he would often say, look, we, we need to make a risk assessment here, right? And this is this is what could happen. And, and you know, and I always respected that. And there are not many lawyers like this. Um, if if you ever find a lawyer like that, uh, hold on to them because they're very, very useful. Um, oftentimes you just go to a lawyer and they're just like, I, depends, depends on what the judge is going to say if you get sued. Well, that really helps me <laughs> to decide what I'm going to do now. Um, yeah, so interesting problem. Anyway, if you have um, feedback, uh, go to privatecitizen.press um, and please uh, write in. I'm very interested. I mean, I'm not doing any episodes in February, so um, I'm collecting all of that feedback. I'm hoping we'll have some very interesting stuff to talk about afterwards. So consider this your homework. <laughs> um, if you always, you know, and I, I feel sometimes I get feedback where people are like, oh, this episode is like months ago, whatever. If you listen to this month later, like write feedback. It doesn't have to be like people sometimes, oh, this is, I took so long for me to listen to this. I think Fadi sometimes like, oh, it took two days for me to listen to this episode. I'm like, Jesus, man. You know, I mean, if you write, if you write about it four months later, I don't care. Still valuable feedback. Like we seldomly talk about things that are so, um, like of the moment that they're out of date half a year later so don't let that stop you it's just something i wanted to point out all right and uh let's talk about what you can do if you actually want to keep this show uh, going So according to be a podcaster, um, the way this works, uh, I've decided uh, a long time ago now, is this is the value for value model, which means get the show for free. Um, and that's it. Uh, but that alone, if anybody, if everybody just listens to the show, that won't keep it going because I am a uh, almost starving um, freelance journalist. And I do this because I think this show is important. Um, and yeah, 
I, I need to make a little bit of money. And if some people pitch in, that's gonna help. So if you can, if you derive some value from this, um, think about what you can give back and you can you can become a patron, which is like a monthly subscription thing, which starts at $1. Or you can uh, send one-off monetary um, contributions to uh, via PayPal to producers at fab.industries. And I think this is the only way it works. Uh, I don't think you can do a show like this with advertisers. Um, this is way too critical of advertising in general. Um, of um, I think ad- I don't think advertising is good for journalism. Fun fact. I thought the fact that uh, this pandemic. So if you look at the uh, the journalism industry, um, it had a very interesting effect over these last few years, which uh, especially online sites had much, much more traffic than they usually had. So they had a huge traffic increase because people were at home. They wanted to know what was going on. So they were reading the news. Um, but they largely couldn't monetize that. They were actually losing money, which, you know, and uh, also lost me money because that's when they stop uh, giving uh, work to freelancers. But, um, you know, because even though there were a lot more eyes on the content, um, because of brand safety and such, largely the advertisers didn't want their ads to appear next to this content, which was being read a lot. So, you know, you'd, you'd write about the pandemic, you'd get a lot of views, but you wouldn't be able to monetize this very well. And... Um, yeah, I thought that's generally, isn't that a good thing, right? Wouldn't that start moving journalism in the right? No, no, no. Wouldn't that incentivize them to write other stuff or, you know, stop the fear mongering? Apparently it didn't. Um, I don't know. So, uh, yeah, I don't think advertising uh, is the way to finance journalism. I, I, I strongly believed, believe, and I have for a while, um, that the only way you can do this correctly is if your account, I mean, as journalism only works if you are primarily accountable to your readers, listeners, viewers. And I think the only way to do this is by them supporting you directly. I'm trying to prove this. So uh, help me out here, won't you? Um, yeah, so that that's it for the preaching part. Now let's give credit to everybody who, who did, who's helping me out, who brought this show to life. Thanks to George's, Steve Hose, Butterbeans, Jonathan M. Heavy, Michael Mal Jensen, Dave, Michael Small, 1i11g, Rodane the Insane, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Jackie Plage, Philip Klostermann, IKN, Vlad, Bennett Piata, Tobias, Sandman616, Kaisiers, Mode7, Joe Poser, Fanny Mansour, Dirk Didi, Rizel, Avis, David Potter, Mika, Mr. Amish, Cam, Dave Amrish, Ricky M, Barry Williams, Jonathan, RJ Tracy, Rick Bragg, Captain Eckhead, Robert Forster, Superuser, Astral C, D, No Reply, Ewan Curry, John Chandler, Robin Liebe, and Zach. And also thanks to my Twitch subscribers, since I'm streaming this live on Twitch, as usual, Stardew Lisa, Mike the Dane, Jonathan MH, underscore com, IndieGamiacs, Redeemer RF, Sandman616, Bacon the Pork, Mode 7 is unavailable, Nomt771, Water News XYZ and MTE Sauro. And I also have to thank Bandmark at bandmark.co.uk, a British cloud hosting company who provides me for free pro bono with the service I use 
um, to bring you these audio files uh, and the bandwidth, and I couldn't pay for that. So I am in the debt. So thanks to Bindmark. Um, and with that, I'm, I'm running away, hoping to never talk about coronavirus ever, ever again, which is not going to happen. But, you know, got to have hope. Um, what's uh, what's this Deep Space Nine episode the other day? What did Garak say? Um, I always hope for the best, but unfortunately experience has taught me to expect the worst. Um, yeah, so uh, the lovely uh, theme song to the show is called Acoustic Roots by Raoul Kabazali, and I'm going to play us out with the song called Seven Falls by Hera Noda. This is obviously um, small jazz. Um, I um, license this music from, and, and the bumper sounds from Epidemic Sound, and they have a lot of good jazz, and I'm into jazz lately. I, I, I love jazz. Uh, I've been getting into jazz a lot. Um, basically from watching Bosch uh, has given me an appreciation to jazz, and they have good jazz, and... Um, some some good stuff so if you have spotify i can actually recommend this the epidemic jazz playlist which is you know all epidemic sound licensed stuff which i use when i when i stream sometimes it's background music and um Haranoda, uh features in that lot they the they i actually don't know um it could also be a band i have no idea if that's a name or whatever uh, so Heronoda is also in a lot of other, um, not epidemic uh, sound related. So, uh, you know, uh, uncoupled from the licensing, he's, uh, or they, they are in a lot of um, other jazz playlists on Spotify where they're like, you know, they have some good jazz players. Anyway, it's amazing music. So uh, this is called um, Seven Falls. I see you next week. Uh, as I said, I won't be doing any shows in February, but I'll try to bring you um, one or two before that. And um, yeah, stay stoic, everybody. And if that doesn't help, aim to misbehave. <laughs>
Thank you.